Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly glad to have you here. Today, I am going to share just a few thoughts on dependence. It is such a key in our Christian walk and in drawing close to God. And I'm going to share a journal entry called Hannah's Lack is from the Lord. This week, I have just personally felt God reminding me in my prayer time that he does not expect me to have things figured out. He expects me to expect him to have everything figured out. And he's not waiting for me to quote unquote get it all together and bring him perfectly scripted prayers and a perfectly scheduled life. He's not expecting perfectly structured thoughts that come with an outline and are always neat and orderly. He's okay when I bring tears. He's okay when I'm a mess. He's okay when I have thoughts that I cannot even express. Obviously, I have to have reverence in the middle of that undoneness. But God is okay with me not having it all together. And in addition to feeling that in my prayer time, I've just been in a season where I could take an additional eight hours in a day and probably put them to good use. I've just been sensing this heavy sense of lack of time and lack of skill for a few things that I'm working on. But in the middle of that, again, God has just been reminding me that that sense of lack is creating dependence on him. I can't do what he's asked me to do apart from him. There's no way, no how. And so much of our Christian life is about dependence. Jesus said in John, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we as Christians have to allow the truth of that phrase to get into our spirit absolutely nothing. Apart from him, I can do nothing of eternal value. Apart from him, I can do nothing that brings value to his kingdom. He is the requirement and reliance on him is the requirement for anything, anything I do in this life. And it truly has seemed to me over the years that as I've drawn closer to Jesus, I'm more acutely aware of my need for him and how desperately I have to depend on him. There is this sense of reliance, of full-blown dependence that we have to come to. The Apostle Paul knew the necessity of relying on God for all things. In 2 Corinthians 12, he's talking about how he's given the abundance of revelation. And then he goes on and he says, because of these revelations, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. 
Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Such dependence expressed in that little section of scripture written by the Apostle Paul. Such incredible reliance upon the Lord. And one of the things that I've really observed over the years as I've studied the lives of both David and Paul is that they were so mightily used by God because of the stripping that they endured and the dependence that it produced. Both of them wrote so candidly about their battles emotionally, in their mind, in their thoughts, other things that they endured in the physical. And their challenge is what allowed them to trust God so deeply, to proclaim very boldly their need for him. And as I was reading that passage just now, the word in needs really struck, stuck out to me. He says, therefore I take pleasure in needs. Paul said, I take pleasure in my lack. Just this morning, God so encouraged me through 1 Corinthians chapter 1. There's a passage and it reads like this. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And Paul in this passage is just talking about how our calling to salvation often does not resonate with those who are mighty, with those who are noble, but God chose foolish and weak and base and despised People. He says things which are not. Those who to all of society would maybe seem as nothing. And the reason that he chose weak, incapable vessels is because that's when he gets the glory. He says very specifically that no flesh should glory in his presence. And he, he concludes by saying, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Don't glory because you've got it figured out. Don't glory because you've got it all together. But glory in the Lord, in his sovereignty, in his goodness, in his faithfulness, in the fact that his compassions fail not. So this is just a friendly reminder today that it is okay to be weak. It's okay to not have it all figured out. I once heard somebody say, I don't use Jesus as a crutch. I use him as a full-blown stretcher. And maybe you're feeling overlooked. Maybe you're feeling undervalued. Maybe you're feeling stretched thin with all of the responsibilities on your shoulders maybe financially strained or depleted of energy. Maybe you feel God has withheld some blessing from you, a person, a a spouse, or 
a relationship or a new season or a new car or maybe there's an unanswered prayer that seems like just this incredible lack in your life. I just want to remind you that the greatest work God is going to do in and through you is probably going to come from what you don't have. It will probably be the place where your deficiency requires his sufficiency and where he has to be the supply and the source because then he gets the glory. If you could do it, you wouldn't need him. Don't despise your lack. I don't know what you feel you need that you don't have. But right now, this is the place where God invites you to rely on him. The lack is an invitation to greater dependence, to greater reliance, to greater emptiness of self. The less there is of us, the more room there is for him. And as Paul said, I will rather glory in my infirmities or in my weak weak places. He's got you. He's not going to fail you. He gives good gifts. He's always good. He knows what you need and he knows when you need it. And we are best when we need him most. That was just a few very random thoughts on dependence, but just kind of what I've been feeling in my spirit this week. And today I'm going to share an unedited journal entry called Hannah's Lack Was From the Lord. Hannah's Lack Was From the Lord. Last night, I read 1 Samuel chapter 1 to the kids. As I read the words, but the Lord had shut up her womb in verse 6 and 7, and her adversary provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Wow, sometimes my lack is from the Lord. Am I willing to lack what you withhold, Elizabeth Elliot? I have often fought my deficiencies and regretted my lack, but that line changes everything. Hannah's barren condition was of the Lord. Her adversary used it to provoke her and to make her fret, worry, and tremble, And yet scripture says a second time, the Lord had shut up her womb. The Lord knew the future. He saw the big picture. He knew what Hannah's lack would produce. He knew that Hannah's lack would produce results. Number one, it gave her a passion in prayer that she would not otherwise have had. Verse 15 says, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Number two, caused her to lay hold of the promises of God. Verse 18 says, The woman went her way and did eat her countenance and was no more sad, and they rose up in the morning early and worshipped. Hannah was able to change her behavior as a reflection of her faith. Number three, her lack provided her with the ability to lay what was nearest and dearest to her down at the feet of Jesus. It gave her the ability and the willingness to give her promise back to God. Verse 24 says, And when she had weaned him, she took him with her and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Verse 28. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. Her lack provided with her provided her with an ability to give a painful sacrifice. Her lack provided her and a nation with a future leader. And the child grew and was in favor with 
the Lord and also with men, 1 Samuel 2, 26. And the child ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Chapter 3, verse 1. Samuel became a leader, priest, and prophet for God's chosen people. He anointed the first king over Israel. And when Saul became full of himself, it was Samuel that was led to a yet undiscovered shepherd boy who was keeping the sheep. Without Hannah's lack, there would have been no passionate promise to give back to the Lord. And without her faithfulness to keep that promise, there would have been no Samuel. God could have and would have raised up a leader another way, but he didn't. He shut up her womb. He broke her heart because he knew her future. Her lack, which produced a promise and a sacrifice, allowed her to worship. Her sacrifice did not produce sorrow, but rejoicing. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts up the beggar out of the dunghill. To set them among princes, he will keep the feet of his saints. Wow. Do not despise your lack, for it may be your lack that will push you to passionate pursuit, to sacrifice, and to worship. And it may be your lack that paves the way for a future leader and for future generations. Let the lack push you into Jesus. I would also like to share a quote from a book I read many years ago, written by Joy Haney, and she's quoting someone else, and I've tried to find the original author of this quote, and I have not been able to, but I originally read this in The Power of Positive Speaking by Joy Haney. And it says this, Set your gaze towards heaven, your eyes shall behold my glory, for I have brought you through the testing time, and my heart rejoices. You see but a part of the picture, but I see the design in its completion. You cannot know what is in my mind and what I am creating with the materials of thy life. Only be thou yielded in my hands. Thou needest not make thine own plans, for I am in control. And thou wouldest bring disaster by interference. Even as a child who would wish to help a master artist and with untrained use of the brush would ruin the canvas. So rest thy soul, this knowing, that I have been at work and in ways thou hast least suspected. For the picture and the work with which I was engaged were entirely different. I make no idle strokes. What I do is never haphazard. My every move is one of vital creativity and every stroke is part of the whole. Never be alarmed by a sudden dash of color seemingly out of context. Say only in thy questioning heart, it is the infinite wielding his brush. Surely he doeth all things well. He can stand back and view his work and say, it is good. Again, I don't know what you feel you're lacking today, but it may just be that place that God is going to birth your greatest joy 
and your greatest ministry, the deepest relationship with him. Keep clinging to him when you feel like you don't have what it takes because you probably don't. Your lack is from the Lord. Thank you again so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript on today's entry, you can visit megunedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday.